Hey, it's your boy Brando. I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone who's been listening on a regular basis to the Brando cast. I fucking love you. And here's what I'm going to say to you. Help us out. Share this thing on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Just help us push this thing to the next level. We love reading comments on Apple. We love reading comments at brendan at thebrandocast.com. Whatever you can do to help us push this thing over the edge, I will love you forever. We're here today, cats and kittens, the Brando cast. I've been chomping at the bit for weeks and weeks and weeks to sit down with the lady who's to my right in the theater of your, of your mind, a supernova, a powerful force in Los Angeles alternative comedy, maybe your favorite character on Criminal Minds. I say legendary. You might say more icon. Today on the Brando cast, Paget Brewster. I feel like there should be clapping <laughs> after that <laughs> intro. Jesus. Yes. Yes. No, for you. I'm clapping for you, not for me. That was, uh, I want you to give my eulogy. <laughs> and that was uh, really made me feel real good. Uh, Paget, you know, we've only recently met each other. Correct. And we've been doing our dear friend Arden Marine's bachelor theme podcast. Will you accept this rose? Will you accept this rose? And we, we are definitely simpatico on that podcast. But even before that, I knew that I wanted you on this because I was a fan of yours from back in the day at Largo. I saw you so many times oh, wow. do the stand-up comedy because I dipped my toe in that scene as well. Okay. I don't think we ever appeared on the same night. But everyone knew Paget. There's only one Paget in Los Angeles, and that's Paget Brewster. I think so, And here yeah. you are. You're the only pageant. Uh, yeah, I believe so. There is another one who there. is a witch. Okay, uh, like a bad person? No, 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 no. No, Wiccan. Oh, Wiccan. And uh, bald <laughs> like a bad and person. overweight. Oh, Because bald. when I was bartending in New York, a guy, a customer at the bar, this is in 1988, 89, love it. Love said it, there it, is it. another pageant. Paget uh, Walker, I Paget believe, Walker. is her name. She's also from Massachusetts. Okay. And he said I was supposed to marry her in a Wiccan ceremony. The guy she, was supposed the to guy marry was her. Telling not you me. were supposed to marry yeah, her. No, he was saying that he was supposed to marry Paget. Right. And uh, it didn't work out. Uh, and it was surprising for him to meet another Paget. There's a, so there's two of you. Yeah, I think so. But you ha- you, you're I not supposed to fight to the death. No, I hope <laughs> not. I, she'd win. Because she's Wiccan. Well, she's in a different weight class, apparently, as well. <laughs> and, and that would be an advantage to her. I'm not fat shaming. I, I, I have no idea. I haven't seen her. I don't know. You're, you think she has certain powers. That's basically what you're saying. Just sure. Okay. She's dedicated a fair amount of her life, at least at that point, right. to spells and witchcraft. Fair enough. And you never dabbled in witchcraft? No. <laughs> Did you? No, I wish. Well, I wish. We're not I wish, dead I wish. yet. Um, uh, we are also here with super producer Richard Sheltinga. Hello. Who is uh, 100% back from the coronavirus. Yes, I am. Even though you've infected Los Angeles. <laughs> we can stop it. <laughs> we'll find out in a couple weeks. Um, so, Paget, the way the Brando cast usually works yes. is I bring people in here. And I present them the history of a band that they might not know, or they might not like, or they might not, though they might like, but it's just designed to spark conversation. Okay. Full disclosure, I asked Paget to, you know, give me some of her bands that you enjoy. And so without further ado, we're going to use the following band to get into <laughs> the history of Paget Brewster. You know what this is, Oh, I you? do. I do. It's going to kick in. There it goes. Oh. Takes me right back. The Police were a British rock band formed in London in 1977 and consisted of Sting on lead vocals and bass guitar, Andy Summers on lead guitar, Stuart Copeland on drums, and Patrick Brewster on backup vocals. Though they got their start in the British punk scene, by the early 80s, The Police had become one of the biggest bands on the planet. In 1983, Rolling Stone labeled them... <laughs> the first British new wave act to break through in America on a grand scale and possibly the biggest band in the world. The police! What a line! The jocks and the new wave kids alike love the police. Now, Paget, yes. you mentioned to me. I don't know. 
one of your first concerts was the police. Was this. This tour. Was this tour. Synchronicity tour. In? Foxborough Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. 1984? Right. Yes. Yeah, 1984. So Foxborough Stadium where the Patriots played. Yeah. And still play. Is it the same stadium? Gillette Stadium. I don't know what that is. Sports, right. But in the the stadium, when they rolled through the Boston area. They did. Was this your first, first concert? First concert. First concert. Huge. I mean, I had never been to a little club. I was 15. My mom drove me and Richard Buckley, (laughs) who had been my, like, eighth grade boyfriend. Right. (laughs) I mean, what? And did mom go uh, to the concert as well? No, she dropped us off, which was really sweet and when you think you about it. Then what'd she do? Like go to a McDonald's I, and wait until you guys were done? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, honestly, that's a great question. And lo- what a savage little creep I am that I never wondered. <laughs> I never wondered where my mom went. But I did on this tour in um, the middle of their uh, uh, show. Yes. The cameras followed them backstage, the police. Yes. And um, they set up a tea, they had a tea service set up, and they were like, oh, we're Brit, so we're going to have tea right in the middle of the show. And Andy whipped the uh, table cloth out yes. after they finished like a their magic tea. Trick. Which, but everything went everywhere. Ah, all the crowd goes crazy. <laughs> and the cameramen follow the police back out on stage to pick up their instruments and start the second half of the show. 15 years later, in New York City, as a 30, grown up, oh no, no, I guess I was in my late 20s. Anyway, um, I knew a bunch of musicians, and I we were all talking about what was the first show you ever saw, and I told them about Foxborough Stadium and the Synchronicity Tour, and one of the guys was a sound engineer, and he said, oh my God, you saw the show where they had food poisoning. Oh. They had pre-shot... Oh. Oh. The whole tea thing because they had to run backstage and shit oh. as long as possible. And this guy could not get over it. He was like, it, it ended up working perfectly and wow. it all timed out, but everyone was terrified. So Sting has uh, uh, bowel movements. Yeah, all three of them do. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I Crazy. Can't believe that. It's insane. Okay, so Boston, 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 Boston. Yes. Is that where you grew up? Outside of Boston, a little town called Concord, Massachusetts. Sure, well, sure. Concord. Concord, Massachusetts. The Battle is, of Concord and Lexington? Absolutely. You know your history. Good for you. I do. And now, Brewster is a... I feel like that's like a pilgrim name. It is. It is. A, uh, he was one of... Uh, uh, William... Elder William Brewster was uh, came over on the Mayflower and was a third mate because he made the beer. So you go back that far. To Mayflower, yes. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, that's You insane. sound like you think you're some kind of mongrel. No, I'm well, sure your I, people go back. No, my Irish people came over, you know, when things got hectic in the late late 1900s, early early 2000 or early 20th century. Ran out of spuds. To to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to work wow. in the in the mills and stuff like that, but there was no one in the Mayflower. Mayflower. Well, they, Mayflower. Had a, they had a tough time the Mayflower. The Mayflower. <laughs> they had a tough time when they landed. So you go back to the Mayflower. That's incredible. Yes. Now, does that is there, are there responsibilities that come along with that? <laughs> I mean, well, do, do you have to like join societies? Yeah, is there a secret I mean, club? Is there a dinner club? Well, is there a jacket? Well, there's the, uh, uh, I suppose technically I'm supposed to be paying dues to the Daughters of the American Revolution, but I never bought into the whole thing. I did not have a debutante. Uh, my parents were sort of hippies a little bit, so they supported me not wanting to uphold that sort of Bostonian I mean really what is it is there a line of Brewsters in Boston that are full-blown hardcore moneyed fancy people um well no no not my great grandfather Brewster uh killed himself uh during the Depression, sure. he owned Chicago Steel. There was, at one point in my family, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, it uh, was gone very quickly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, As that happens. And so, yeah. Uh, so my, my parents were actually teachers in a, a boarding school in Concord called Middlesex. which oh, wow. is a, a, It was an all-boys a boarding school right. until 1976, and then it went co-ed. Uh, so they they really weren't part of the whole. We were my brother and I were sort of raised half poor, half really privileged because we went to private schools. Our parents were really big on education, but 
you know, they made $4,000 a year raising right. kids and we lived in a dorm and we, we ate for free in the cafeteria and, you know, we bought our clothes at the Goodwill and the, the church thrift shop. So it was, I think now, an ideal upbringing. We were really incredibly fortunate. Well, Boston's a, just an awesome city. I, d- I, we, I grew up outside of it. Okay, I didn't so you really did, know so it. You weren't going in, were you no, going into Boston as a young in, person? I, well, here, like to go okay, downtown or so whatever? I did go to Newbury Comics. I remember going right. to Newbury Comics right. and actually went to Newbury Comics when I was, again, I want to say 14 or 15 right. and found a black and white still of Sting from the movie Brimstone and Treacle. That's right. I don't know if you've seen it. Of course. And he is, he's uh, raping a comatose uh, girl that he's supposed to be taking care of. Uh, That's the movie. But it was the sexiest thing I've ever seen. So, I mean, Sting was the, the focus of all of my uh, passion. He, I uh, was a, I loved him. He was the sexiest you li- you thing. You literally had to think for Sting. Oh, 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 oh. I mean, I think I maybe barely got over it a couple of years ago. <laughs> he was it. And I know it's so, like the whole, oh, tantric sex. And there was some, some urban legend that, that a lady was dancing with Sting and she, she stepped on a broken glass and she just kept bleeding all night because she didn't notice she was dancing with Sting. <laughs> Because he's that hot. He's that you could, hot. You could injure yourself around Sting. But also tantric sex. Like, people right. who have sex for six or seven hours. Well, him and Trudy, that's the... Uh, <laughs> they can have it. <laughs> After quickly rising through the ranks of the UK's big punk scene, largely due to their unique mix of punk, jazz, and reggae, the police released their debut album, Outlandos Demore, on November 2nd, 1978. Elevated by the success of the lead single, Roxanne, the album peaked at number six in the UK and number 23 in the US. The album spawned two additional hit singles, Can't Stand Losing You and So Lonely. Did you like the police from the get-go? Because we're, I'm not going to age you, but we are roughly the same age. I'm older than you. But I remember when this came out. This is a big deal when this song I remember came out. When, I remember when this came out. Um, but I don't remember. I'm not really good at with what year anything came out. Late 70s. This is like 1970. Oh, no, then no. Then this is all stuff I found after. Right. Because I had very little um, involvement in music. I, 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 Why I, I, was that? Well, I think, I mean, honestly, I think the first album my mom may have gotten me... Adam Ant or Adam and the Ants? What was which one was Goody Goody Two Shoes? Goody Two. That was just Adam Ant. That was just Adam Ant. Okay, so it wasn't even. So then, then, man, I guess I saw that picture of a shirtless Sting at Newbury Comics, (laughs) and I started buying music. Oh, what a filthy little slut! So I got into the Police and from Synchronicity, yeah, and then started buying, and it was vinyl or. Tapes, yep. cassettes. cassettes. There were no CD. There was no streaming. There was no. Um, yeah, no. I'm fifty. I'm fifty-one in a couple days. Happy so, birthday! Thank you. So, it, when Synchronicity came out, I was fourteen or fifteen, and that right. was in '84. So, a lot of their, I guess, more historically important music came out earlier. Yeah. What was Teenage Patrick Brewster like? Um, <clears throat> Teenage Patrick Brewster had a crew cut. Had, nice. um, was uh, severely underweight. Uh, sadly, I've lost that metabolism gift. <laughs> um, uh, I was going to the school where my parents were teachers, right. so I was a loser. I, I was called Fack Brat because I went to the school where my parents taught. Oh, so the other kids taunted you because your parents were teachers? Yeah. Or your I parents mean, cool teachers? My parents were cool teachers. I was not a cool kid. And that's okay. That's okay. I was like, you know, one of the arty, artsy nerds. And uh, I liked it. I, I you know, it, it, high school's hard for everyone. Hard for everyone. Oh, hard, yeah. I think it's hard for the really popular kids that seem happy at the time because nothing matches that the rest of their lives. I just right. think, you know, there is no, it's great to be a jock. It's great to be a nerd. It's great to be, it's all awful. Oh, yeah. High school is painful. So were you doing drama? 
Were you exploring comedy in any way, shape, yeah, or form? I was or were doing, you doing yeah. design? Were you, what were you What were you into? I was doing school plays. I did end up going to three high schools. Oh, uh, I was asked to leave my parents' school um, by your parents by the administration, <laughs> <laughs> um, and my father had the For unfortunate job of selling weed that was oregano. Uh, no. Um, uh, speed oh. that I don't know what it was. <laughs> okay, um, nice. There were little pink and white pills and they were called 357 Magnums and I don't know what they are. Okay. And so uh, that was brief. And when I heard that uh, the teachers knew about it, I stopped. And uh, but I was just trying to be cool and I wasn't cool. So then I begged my parents to send me back to girls school because until I went to their high school, I'd only gone to girls schools. Okay. And it doesn't matter what your, it doesn't matter what your place is in a girl's school. You still have a place. So right. the hierarchy of like the popular girl and the you know the losers. It doesn't matter in an, in, in a single sex environment. All of those people have a value because when you remove when the you remove sexual competition, boys, when correct. you remove and it would do the same would be true correct. for boys. I'm guessing, maybe. but I don't know my, I don't know. I think men are more taught to be uh, hardwired to compete. They are, but women alone, uh, women, you know, sequestered without a male influence. I do, do not behave the same way that they do in a right. co-ed environment. So, so popular girl can hang out with nerdy girl because and it's okay. It's fine. There's no, right. yeah, it's just different. So I begged my parents to send me back to, to girl's school. And I, I did eventually graduate from my mom's alma mater, which was a girl's boarding school in upstate New York uh, in Dobbs Ferry called the Master's School, which is a pretty pretentious name, but sure. it was a great place. Oh, well, I guess it was pretty pretentious. I studied French and fencing. <laughs> and, uh, oh, with, with Spain's Olympic champion, Francisco Marta. Francisco Marta was your fencing coach was in high school? Because he married an American tourist who was a math teacher in a girls' boarding school. He moved to America with his wife and taught boarding school kids how to fence. Okay, time out. Was there fencing competition in your past? Sure, yeah. What does that look like? Oh, I don't remember. I mean, we just fenced against other schools that had other fencing. Other girls' schools? Yeah, we did. I, 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 yeah, I don't know if I won. I don't know if I... Again, I, I, I'm not a real sportsy... Fencing is fun. That's very specific, it's dramatic. They didn't have fencing at the Albuquerque Academy where I went to high school. No, I, I guess not. Yeah, that's not... like You gotta like fall no, that, into that. That's why I'm saying I was really lucky that my, my, my parents' focus was on education and my grandparents had... There were you know little dribs and drabs of Chicago steel money left that went to all of the grandkids. <laughs> Fair enough. So that we could all go to good schools right. because that was... And, and especially our... My, you know, my parents having, it was unusual for my mom to work at that time. Women stayed home and they didn't right. work as much. And my mom was a teacher and a ceramicist. And my dad was teaching English and economics. And he was the coach of crew and soccer and all that. So education was very important to them. Right on. Then where'd you go? Where'd you, where'd you take all that fencing and uh, all that took French? took all that fencing and, and all that French. Go? I um, told my parents, uh, my parents insisted I go to college. I said, okay, Parsons School of Design. I got in. Right on. I moved into the George Washington Welfare Hotel on 23rd and Lex. Wow. And started attending Parsons. Um, but I auditioned to do a play to do a Hurley Burley off-Broadway at uh, Circle in the Square. Whoa. Uh, and got the part. And so I w w apologized to all of my teachers. And I mean, it's just nothing. It doesn't really pay. It's an off Broadway. I was hostessing on the weekends at the Figaro Cafe and. Um, Okay, so there was, there, was a, there was acting going on. There was, and I feel terrible that I wasted my parents' resources by dropping out of Parsons in the first year. Understood. Um, that's But sad. you got a great play off-Broadway, right? Yeah, it did. It, 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 I mean, Hurley Burley's a great play. Yeah, it's long. Yeah. But great. Yeah. Yeah, I played Darlene. The girlfriend, the, 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 the two guy, I don't know, the guy in my building who played Phil. I think he was dating, a, dating. I think he was seeing a prostitute in the building. I met him in the elevator, and I don't remember ever talking to her, but he 
I only saw him with her and he said, oh, by the way, I think prostitution should be legal. I'm not, I, I, I think uh, it's insane enough. Yeah, that fair I, enough, yeah. I'm pro prostitutes. Yeah. So I'm not denigrating her in any way. Um, but he told, he asked me to audition. I don't know why. He, he said, oh, you should audition. I said, I want to be an actress. He said, oh, you should audition for this play. I don't know if the, if the prostitute did too. I don't know if she spoke English. I didn't really fair enough. get to talk to her. How was the play? It was fun. It was good. Uh, it was nice. Anyone um, interesting in the, in the cast? Like a young Liam Schreiber no, or someone no, weird like that? No, not that I know. Uh, the only person I know was Sean Gavigan, who I had gone to Middlesex with, gone to high school mm-hmm. with, in my parents' school. He was in the play, and he later became, uh, a, uh, what's the name of I Dream of Jeannie? The actress, I Dream of Jeannie. Is, Bar- is Barbara, uh, Barbara... Barbara London. Bar- Barbara no, Bar- Boxer. Barbara, 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 uh, he became her personal assistant. And starring Barbara... Barbara Eden. 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 Barbara Eden. Barbara Eden. Yes, it's Barbara Eden. I want to hear another song. Yeah, right into it. Here you go. So good. This is cool sting to me. In October of 1979, the police released their second album, Regatta de Blanc. It topped the UK's album chart, became their first of four consecutive UK number one studio albums. The album spawned the hit singles, Message in a Bottle, and Walking on the Moon. The album singles failed to dent the US top 40, but Regatta hit number 25 in the US. And the police are on their way. I had a, I have a weird relationship with this song because <gasps> what my weird relationship with this song is like yeah. my family moved my mother moved my brothers and I from Pittsburgh Pennsylvania to Albuquerque New Mexico in the, the summer of 1980 and I started a brand new school and for summer it was called the Albuquerque Academy in seventh grade and and I wanted to I wanted to be a musician. Kind of. I didn't have the drive to be a musician, but I loved music. And I signed up for like uh, the like the music elective. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I basically lied and said I could play guitar, but I couldn't play oh. guitar. And I said that I could play this song, Message in a Bottle. Because in my young seventh grade brain, it seems so easy to play on guitar. And for like three weeks in a row, I would go into the music room with all these other kids and all these other kids at my fancy high school. They all could play musical instruments and I couldn't. And I would basically pretend, Richard, that I was tuning my guitar. What? The whole time, like for the entire class. I couldn't play. And I would just stand there and like move the music sheets around. And all the gear was great. Like all the guitars they had were great. And every time I hear that song, I, I, I think about that seventh grade liar. That little boy you who really, was afraid to tell the yeah, truth, who yeah. was afraid to say, I'm not a musician. Oh, I just so, think it's cool. It's cute, though. You should have. You made the mistake of not choosing that song for bass. Exactly. A hundred percent. Thank you. That, that but you could have gotten away I with. I thought that the <laughs> guitars were just simpler in the background for some reason. So dumb. So dumb. And everyone else could play around. I mean, all the other kids played the song, and I just wow. sat there like an asshole. That's cute. There were probably three or four other guitars also playing. You know, this is like, this is preschool of rock, school of rock. Oh. But I wanted to so bad. But I can do it. I can sing now. I sing. Yeah, you can sing. I front bands. I have fronted bands before, but I don't play any instruments. I wish I could. No, you're a lead singer. You don't need to. With the fencing and the French, was, was there a musical instrument in there? there no. That's no, what? I don't know how to play anything. Okay. Uh, but I did after I dropped out of uh, after I dropped out of Parsons and did Hurley Burley. You're in New York now. I'm in New York. Um, I started dating a drummer and we formed a band. Oh shit! Yeah, 1988. Oh shit! Yeah, so Paget Brewster is in Manhattan in yes. 1988, living where? I was living. Where was the Where was the first? Place? Well, yeah, were you in I Alphabet City the, before it was cool? Were you on the Lower East Side yeah, before it was cool? Yeah, but I thought it was cool. I well, don't sure. know. Well, Is it considered pioneer. cool now? Now it's now like it's Soho. Expensive. It's ridiculous. Then it was yeah. dangerous. Yeah, cool but yeah, dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We lived. Um, we lived in. At one point, we were renting Kurt from Pussy Galore's apartment. <laughs> sure. She was on tour, <laughs> so we were living there. We were living on. We lived on Second. Avenue. Oh, that was 
Duff from MTV, her brother's apartment. We rented that Fantastic. guy's place. Fantastic, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Karen Duffy. Karen Duffy, yeah, mm-hmm. her brother's place. Um, and actually, it was her place, and he was living in it and taking care of it, and so he rented it to us. And then the last place we lived was C, between 3rd and 4th in a condemned building. Sure. But I was uh, waiting tables at the Sidewalk Cafe nice. on 6th and A. Uh-huh. Um, and then bartending. Where'd you tend bar? I tended bar at Sidewalk, Benny's Burritos, um, not King Tut's Wawa Hut, uh, Pyramid. Oh, what was that horrible club? The Marquee on 14th Street. I don't, I don't know the. Um, Bob Cuccioni had one of the nights. Oh, okay. It was the Screw Magazine night. Oh, sure. And you tended bar tended on screw, bar, screw Magazine night. Screw Magazine night. What kind of crowd is coming in for that night? It was empty. <laughs> it was rough. And he was paying all of these high-profile athletes to come, but he couldn't get anyone to come in the door so there were strippers and a and one guy stripper but they were all on stage like a big big um space like the ritz like it was a big club and there would be this uninspired stripping on stage but they were all wearing sneakers <laughs> like they were wearing <laughs> jogging shoes to get it right it's lazy and, stripping oh my god it was so bizarre wait and so I, it was supposed to be a strip show on there's Screw supposed Magazine to be a nights. strip show but he couldn't get anyone in the club i don't know what he did i don't i don't know if this is when he started going bankrupt right um but he was paying like jets And he was paying athletes to come. So these giant guys would be standing at the bar knowing this was the lamest place in New York at that time. Like, no one was there. And you behind the bar. Yeah, but all I did was give job applications to the strippers who (laughs) wanted to move into bartending. (laughs) I mean, it was it was bleak. That was that was probably I think that was the Marquee, the Marquee Theater. Anyway, right. So it was a lot of uh, uh, singing in a band. The band was called Mechanical Bride. Um, Mechanical Bride. So it was you, me, your drummer boyfriend, the drummer boyfriend Christo, Uh our um, bass player Dave Vote. Uh, who was a broker at Shearson Lehman or something, I sure. think. And Wayne was the guitar player, and then Peter was the guitar player. Uh, and uh, we shared a rehearsal space with Helmet. And oh, which is one of my favorite bands from back then. Yeah, a couple yeah, other. A couple other um, Loud and noisy and fun. Yeah, Fuzzy Navel, The Goops. Uh, die monster die i'm trying to think of all the bands we played with so so you you actually gave a little run at at the oh, yeah, uh, the years. underground rock scene oh, yeah, in new york five years we played no CB- shit we played cbgb's maybe 14 15 times really we played marquee we played pyramid we played um did you tour second, around the, no. the the tri-state area no you know what else we did we were one of those bands that <laughs> we recorded with um don fury like engineer the, the studio to make a demo tape, a tape, a cassette. Yeah. And the moment we finished paying for, for the tape, we were all so chicken. We were like, our new shit's so much better, man. We got to get back in and record new. <laughs> we, we never sent it to anyone. We never tried what? to do We were so chicken, I think, to even try. I, I, I can't explain it. Because you were I, close. We kept, you were right there. We recorded, then we fi- we put out a vinyl single with uh, Rough Trade. Or, uh, and that you shot a video. Out. You did shoot a video. That that's was something on- else. That was in San Francisco years later for a public access show. Oh, okay. That was sketch oh, comedy. That's not no, the no, band. no, no. That's not Mechanical Bride. No, we have no okay. video of Mechanical Bride. Right. There's no, we were, no. Well, we none of no us had video iPhones. That I know. No, there was yeah. no. No one had. Well, you'd have to like rent a news crew to come <laughs> sh- shoot you in 80, 88, 89, wow. 90, 91, 92. Wow. 93. Because the, the drummer and I then moved. We broke up the band. Actually, this is the saddest thing. Tell me. We were booked to open for the Sugar Cubes, which was before Bjork went solo. But they're still big. Still big. We were booked to open for them at CBGB's, and we're fighting so much, we broke up and did not you do that You and the drummer gig. were fighting. All, no, all four of us. Oh. We were f- all four of us. Wow. Hated each other. Like, band hatred. Not the drummer and I were fine. And what do you? What was the roots of the band hatred? Richard knows this very well because he used to manage bands. I can't even explain it. It's almost like 
you know, people say it's like a marriage or something and just shit gets under your skin and it just festers and you, you, you want to be right. And I mean, you explain it, you explain what you've seen. Cause this was my only experience yeah, Richard, with the band. Explain band hatred. You know what Where it is. This, does it start with money? Uh, does it start no, with we credits? didn't have any money. It was ego. I'm assuming or insecurity. I think when you're in a creative space, everyone wants to control the creative space. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. That's why they're directors of films and producers of right. albums. And to musicians help, to nice. help direct the energy. To direct the energy, that's yeah. great. Yeah. And, and when you have four kids alone in a rehearsal space, it just turns into chaos. Too. Arguing, yeah. arguing, and disagreeing, yeah. and who was right and what. So the the gig with the sugar cubes did not happen. No. Wow. No, we broke up. We we couldn't even get it together to agree to what would have been the best gig we ever played. Wow. Because it was a huge band at that time, and they yeah. were willing to play in a t- and CBs was. CBGB's was very small. Right. It was a small club. Right. Um, and they were playing there when they could have been playing at much larger venues. Right. And Hilly booked us to open for them, and uh, wow. we fucking blew it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know who didn't blow it? Uh, Sting. No. Sting never blew it? No. Still hasn't. No, he hasn't. I don't Jaguar know. How's the play? Commercial? How's the play downtown? Have you seen it? What? What play? The Last Ship. What's that? It's. A, I think it's a play he wrote. What? It's at the Amundsen. Nah. You don't see. You don't see the billboards around town. No. All I Sting. see is that Escape to Margaritaville posters <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Pressured by their record company for a new record and another tour, oh. <laughs> the police released their third album, Zenyatta Mandata, in October of 1980. The album was recorded in a three-week period in the Netherlands for tax reasons. <laughs> <laughs> the album gave the group their third number one hit in the UK, Don't Stand So Close to Me. Another hit single with Da Do Do Do, Da 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 Da. Both of which uh, reached number 10 in the US. But most importantly, it has. They must have played this at Foxborough. Did they play this at Foxborough? So, yeah, don't stand. This was, I thought their biggest this and Roxanne and I mean, like the biggest hits I would say are this. So right? jealous. You know how bad girls get. Sometimes it's not so easy to be oh, wait, what's the harmony? Just Temptation. Frustration. What's the harmony? It's the Andy Summer sings the high part. No, your shtick as a lead singer? Were you like were you like Dale Bozio from from Missing Persons? Did you have anything? 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 Ahmed Zappa wants to come in. He's here lurking around. Hold on. Time out. Come here. Come here. Come here. Let me. You guys just. He's gonna say hi. Yeah. Did you hear us? Yeah, because it just made me think. Let me get on the mic. Oh, because you couldn't. Of course, you're only hearing us sing. You're not hearing because we're on headphones. I heard you guys singing the police. Yeah. And, you know, you told me that Paget was coming in, and the song that you were singing, I just, this is like such a, I got, you know, I was excited that you were coming in, but I wanted to know, right? Like, to me, when you were singing that song, it was like, that's how I felt about Paget. Maybe someday. Back in the day. You mean when, when, you and I, when we were watching her at Largo? Really? Yeah. Yeah. He, oh, he said that to me. Oh, fuck. I yeah. thought the same thing, but by the time I was single, you were with someone I know. Yeah. You know, I, I feel oh, like on, two ships not, in the... No, don't. Don't no, be making a, that up. It, it this was is a, so flattering. No, no, I'm was, turning red. Is that really true? Oh, please. I need it so bad. I'm no, 50 it, and I'm great. Pageant. Everyone was in love with you. Pageant. Everyone was in love with you. It was so true for me. And I was so... Because we worked on something and I was like, you know what? I just... Why isn't she... So, I guess, basically, in a parallel dimension, we've had a child named COVID-19 Zappa. And he's like the scourge of the universe. scourge. So, that could have been a thing. so sweet. It could have been a thing. Oh, it was bad timing. Break up your marriages. Both of you now. Just do it. Fuck it. Life is short. Break them both up. Go back in history. I know who I was dating, and it ended bad, real fucking bad. He had big eyes. That was bad. I I should have thrown him over for you. Oh, man. Oh, man. You should have. But Patchett, everyone had a crush on you. Stop. 
were, you were a pageant. You were a superstar. What? Look, it worked out. Oh. Look, at, look at the rock on your finger. I mean, what do you? Uh, what do you? Did, with girl, you've got you know? a you've got he a does. manly ring. No rocks on it. But. I know I should. I could bust out a diamond you could bust like out yours. Of, what of is that? You a, could. Like a hundred and fifty carat diamond? I have no idea. It's my is grandmother's. <laughs> my grandmother. <laughs> my, par- my parents gave it to my husband to give to me. Because I only so, I asked him for this the little that's very sweet the little thin yeah. forever band the little no I know you're happily married as I am I, I'm but so I just, glad but I, I I sorry to interrupt your show <gasps> I heard that and I was like you know I'm just gonna go in there I just have to know oh I just I'm have honest to, to God I, I thought I thought he's not gonna remember he's not gonna remember who I am this is gonna be so embarrassing for him. No. like because you would be like oh yeah hey what I thought you were not gonna remember who I was and I would embarrass myself no. I would no. <gasps> Just, just made my just made a love year. connection. We okay. made a love connection. We made a love connection right, with the police it. in the background. That's it. I'm, I'm leaving. No, I mean, don't leave now. Let me look at you longingly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Amit? Keep those headphones on. Oh, you want time out? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I tried before to tell her. Oh, it's getting hot and steamy in here. <laughs> in my heart. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's a bee. I'm staring into your eyes, pageant. Oh. <laughs> Do you want to? I don't know. Go for a long walk on the beach. Sure. <laughs> Everything she does is magic. Everything she do just turned me on. Never know what I before was tragic. Never know what I before goes home. I do want to say that oh. when, when I thought we were gonna. Maybe have a chance. You were dressed like in a superhero kind of an outfit. We worked on some weird show. Yes. Where you were <clears throat> some kind of a villainess. Yeah. Which really added to the fantasy, by the way. Thank was you. that MTV's Web Riot? No. Yeah. I can't. Some, like, I t- can't superhero even comedy. We were like you. We were all in darkness. Something. I- we were all in superhero outfits. Yeah. Would have been great. Everything she does is magic. Everything she do just turn me on. That was fun. That was a, a shiny purple vinyl cat suit. That's what I was wearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's coming back to me now. Something, something like that. I remember that because I had a Polaroid at one point of that. I don't remember the name of the show. Neither do I. It was directed by who's the guy who did Sex in the City. Uh, uh, he's uh, you know Michael Ian King. Michael Ian? Uh, Michael Patrick. Michael King. Patrick King. That's what I Michael said. Patrick. Booty traps. Maybe, yeah. One of them. He was the boyfriend King. of one of those guys. That's all I remember. The police fourth album, Ghost in the Machine, was recorded on the Caribbean island of Montserrat yes. and released in October of 1981. It featured saxophones and vocal textures and spawned the hit singles. Every little thing she does is magic, invisible sun, and spirits in the material world. Album reached number one. Reached number one in the U.S. and the U.K. It's a huge fucking record. Yeah, well, I mean, Paget and I used to play that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that drive up to Montecito we took? I wish we had. So okay, great. so I want to know oh. now. We, I want to know. We held that little baby brown bear <laughs> and fed it with a bottle. <laughs> oh, we walked through that sequoia with the hole <laughs> yeah, cut did. in it. I got yeah. poison ivy. Oh, that was so fun. Oh, you're telling me. <laughs> Gosh. You guys would have had cute children, I think. COVID-19, I told you. COVID-19 Zappa, scourge COVID. of the fucking universe. Okay, so I want to know, how do you get How do you get from doing The Rock in Love New York guys. City? Bye. Bye. How Aww. do you get from The Rock in New York City to getting into the world where you're going to be doing a show with Amit and Rob and Dana and all these comedy people and doing stand-up? When did you start doing the comedy? Um, uh, so I moved with the drummer to San Francisco in okay, so 93. you guys are still together. We're still together. Even we though you've form, broken up the band. We form another band in San Francisco. It doesn't work out. We break up, break up romantically. I am bartending and I am going to acting school and I, uh, get a manager, a customer at the bar where I'm working the slow club in Potrero Hill, uh, says he'll represent me. He sends me out on auditions, but it was, he represented anchor people and correspondents. So I ended up getting a talk show in 1994 when oh. Ricky Lake had been huge. There were all these talk shows, anyone in their twenties, the production companies didn't care. It was just anyone in their twenties. 
So I shot a pilot for uh, Westinghouse. Westinghouse picked it up. We shot 65 episodes in San Francisco where I was running around hosting with a microphone like the whole... Whoa. Yeah. And like an early morning, mid-morning show? No, we aired at 1.30 in the morning <laughs> because Westinghouse was just trying to figure out if they wanted to launch it nationally. Right. Um, and what was the hook of that show? The show was called The Paget Show. Uh-huh. And the... I, I I was just I I was 25 and doing the whole you know polygamists and I love him why do my parents hate him uh-huh. we had a uh-huh. we had a Ms. Paget show we had a Ms. Paget transvestite uh, karaoke competition like it was just everything uh, you know all kind of, uh, that talk show stuff wow um, so I got an agent in L A CBS bought Westinghouse and then dropped uh, all of the Westinghouse talk show hosts. I moved to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, my agent was a brand new baby agent at a new agency. And I went to see him uh, at, he was at APA. I went to see him. I had lived in, I moved to Los Angeles two days before. I'd learned how to drive. I didn't wow. know how to drive. I had to learn how to wow. drive and get a license. Went to see him and he was acting squirrely. And I said, what's going on? And he said, uh, I have to get my files out of the building. I'm going to UTA. I said, okay, if you take me with you, I'll take all your files out right now. Uh, and he said, okay. So I took, I went up and down the elevator to the, to the did garage to move all of his files. And I met him over at UTA and he t- cause it was paper files. Yeah, Why? Right. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Well, back I don't then, know this if it was headshots or this is 94. It's pre-internet. Everything's on paper back then. So he, I, he just sent me on general meetings, and I, I met with people. I had done a p- public access show in San Francisco, so I had tape. Right. I had tape of me interviewing people on the street um, in '96. Uh, that was when a- really everybody was getting development deals, stand-up yes. comics, yes. and people who I was nobody. Um, I just had a dumb little reel that I'd made uh, doing a public access show and doing the pageant show. And uh, my agent was uh, sent me on a meeting. I went. I was. Uh, I ended up auditioning for Just Shoot Me. Remember that show with of the Laura Sandio? I auditioned for that, and I went to leave. And um, the secretary ran out after me. And she was like, "What are you? What are you? Where are you going? You can't go anywhere. You have to sign this." And I said, "Can I use your phone?" And I called my <laughs> new agent, and he said, "Get out of the, get out of the building. Get in your car, drive away." And uh, he ended up saying to NBC. She can't sign a test deal with you because we're in the process of getting receiving a development deal from ABC. So then NBC some heat, says... Heat is being created. He did this. Uh-huh. He, he, he made all of this up. Yep. And I ended up meeting with every single network, and they all offered me a deal. Wow. And I signed with um, Fox. I signed with Fox. Which was brand new, basically, at the time. It was. It had Cops, yep. The Simpsons. Right. Bad Boys. Or what was the... Yeah, Cops. Cops. Yeah. Bad yeah. Boys Bad is, the, Boys. is right. the song. That was the, that was the song. That, right. The, Duh. Could you build an entire podcast around the Inner Circle song, Bad Boys? Yeah, probably. Is that who sang the song? Bad Boys. Inner Circle. What you gonna do? So you got a development deal. Got a development deal with Fox and did, you know, you go and you meet with showrunners and I did pilots and they didn't go anywhere. And then I right. did Friends and I did six episodes of Friends. And that and was a big deal because I remember that. I remember oh, when you wow. got on Friends. Wow, wow, wow. And you were Chandler's girlfriend? I was Joey's, Joey's girlfriend <laughs> and then Chandler fell for me and then I was Chandler's girlfriend and then we broke up. Now, um... I, I'm not asking you to confirm this, although I was told back in the day the rule among the boys on Friends was uh, you got first dibs on your co-star. Correct. Oh, you're confirming that. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. that's what they told me. <laughs> oh really? They did. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. So yeah. So Matthew said Matthew was like, "You're, uh, you know." Don't go anywhere with LeBlanc alone. And I had been talking to oh LeBlanc because we lived, he, I lived in the apartment below where he used to live when he moved that? to LA. The Monroe Manor in Beechwood Canyon. Sure, yeah, I know it well. Um, yeah, because it's I, lived they, oh, and, I lived on Glen Holly. I lived on Glen Holly in Beechwood yeah, in so the, the late the 90s. Two little white ceramic the cats. cats on yeah. the side. Of, yeah. <laughs> the, so the building with the cats on the side. The apartment I lived in, uh-huh. when LeBlanc moved to LA, he <laughs> lived in the apartment above and he was like, oh, I used to push my dog out the window and he 
shit on your roof. No, he was hey, like, there's probably story. still dog shit up there. <laughs> wow. So then Matthew was like, get a, you get a, get away from her. She's, you know, what? He, I don't think he said she's spoken for, but the girls were like, Matthew has a crush on you. But I was dating Dave Foley. Oh, you were? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Who is still a friend and a yeah. lovely, a fantastic guy. Quick side note, are you excited that they're getting, getting back, oh, the kids in the hall getting I'm back really together? Exci- I'm really excited for all of them because they also reached a point, speaking of like band dynamics, where yeah. they w- were fighting. Right. And I think they've, it's just nice to get older. It's nice. And, and, and to recognize what's important and not be petty and not, like, I'm sure they're all excited, like, oh, what are we, what were we pissed about? You know, and they get to do this thing that they're great at. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I can't wait to see them dressed up as ladies. Like, it's going to be even more poignant yeah, now absolutely with a lifetime of experience because yeah. they were kids but they were so influential so influential it's really exciting who else did you date um oh i can't <laughs> <laughs> this is a perfect song to <laughs> just say well I, I briefly dated dana gould or no I- not dana Rob Cohen, you did date Rob Cohen, our dear friend Rob Cohen, for two seconds, correct? Maybe. <laughs> every breath you take. Uh, you know, let me just say what? this to the millennials. You have no idea how fucking big this song was. Oh. There's almost no equivalent. There's so much music now in so many genres. Isn't it the most played song on radio ever? It was the most played song in Albuquerque, New Mexico that year. You couldn't walk into any what, store without hearing what this. What year was it? As I remember it, I was riding my bike around. Well, I'll tell you. In 1983... The police released their last studio album, Synchronicity, which spawned the monster hit singles. Sing, single, single, singles. God, I can't talk today. Still hungover from last night. Every breath you take, wrapped around your finger, King of Pain and Synchronicity 2 became the number one album in the UK and the US. In fact, it stayed at number one in the United States of America for 17 weeks. That does not happen anymore. No. It was nominated for Grammy of the Year, or for Album of the Year, but it lost to Thriller. However, this song won the Grammy for Song of the Year, beating Michael Jackson's Billie Jean. God, how many mixtapes is this song on? After the Synchronicity Tour ended in March of 1984, the band went on hiatus while Sting recorded and toured in support of his successful solo LP, the jazz-influenced Dream of the Blue Turtles. The police did attempt to reconvene in 1986, but by this time, tensions among the three were at an all-time high. They hated each other. Following a new studio album, the police effectively disbanded. They hated each other by the end. It's a classic tale. Wait a minute, they did just play together, though. They got back together. I saw and them, two, I saw them the, too, at the Hollywood Bowl. Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, I was there in 2006. It was That was a big money that grab. Was 14 years ago? <laughs> yeah, it was 14 years ago. But it was a big ago? money grab, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, it, yeah. it was like the number one tour they made a lot of, of, the, money. of the uh, yeah. in the world that year. It wasn't great though. How was the show you saw? Well, I don't like. See, I didn't like it because I don't like when Sting. I like when bands play the fucking song. Yeah. And you don't do a jazz version of your biggest hit. Ugh. That's always drove me crazy about yeah. Captain Sting. I didn't. You know, I didn't just like play. Just play the song. Like we, Richard and I, and Amit, we went to see Kiss the other night at the Staples Center. And. They were fine. They play the play songs the song. exactly the <laughs> oh, okay. way you want to hear them. Okay. You didn't, you didn't get a jazz version, you though. You do not get a jazz version of Do You Love Me. You do not get a reggae version of Cold Gin or Dr. Love. They wow. just play the Dr. songs. Love. Yep. Oh. But Sting always has to fuck with a little, stuff. A little bit, a little bit. And he loves that pan flute and the fucking dinosaurs walking through, oh, you know. Yeah, he's got to be a pill. Uh, it was, well, I know, I, probably, but I bet he's still really good in bed. 
probably good in bed, but you Tantric don't. Sex. We've you come get, full circle. You have to go home that night. You're working early the next day. And no breakfast for Sting. You gotta get out. I bet his diet, though, is he's got to have the most annoying diet Boring, possible. Boring, yeah. Kale and almonds, Blech. right? No milk, no sugar. Forget it. No grain of any type. No. No fun. Yeah, no, no fun. fun. No steak. No, just, just kale. Pure kale. <laughs> Even the, even the water he drinks is probably purified through kale. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I know, I know. But still, very important band. Very, very important. Very, even very his, important even band. the solo, that solo. Dream I can't remember. The the, uh, was it? No. What was the? I'm an Englishman in New York. Like he'd run out of topics, in, in and then he York. had he had that one thing about tea in the Sahara, which was about the Manson family. And then there was there and, was Russians love their kids too, or whatever. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember any of the what's what's a hit song from the Dream of the Blue Turtles? Why am I blanking on that? What's fortress around your heart. Oh, if I build a fortress around your heart. Yeah, yeah. that was a big exactly. song. Exactly. I encircled you with fortress and barbed They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. Um, how do you get to Criminal Minds? Tell me about that. Um, I had done shows that, you know, would do, we'd last 13 episodes or one season or two season or three seasons of right. comedy. And then As I you did, do. and then I did, yeah, that's the gig. Then I did, uh, two seasons of Huff on Showtime, which was serious, uh, uh, more of a drama. And then I thought, <laughs> then I thought, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, you're supposed to be a, you're supposed to get to movies like TV acting is, you're supposed to get to movies. So I started doing movies and I was doing, I did three movies in a row. They were indies and they were fine, but I hated it. And I thought it was really lonely. And you just go from, you know, one location to the next and you're with people for a month or two and then it's over. And you're, so I said to my agent, I think I made a mistake. I don't like the experience of making movies. I want to be on a show where I see the same people every day and I go to work and it's, you, you're making this thing together. It's, yeah, and you create a little family on set. I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so th- they said I was in the Sutton place in Vancouver filming a movie when they t- and watching Criminal Minds. When they said to me, it was the pilot for Criminal Minds. They said, "Would you meet on this show, Criminal Minds? They're recasting a character." And I was like, "Oh, oh, oh!" You know, it's you know, I, I thought oh, it's supposed to be because I'm watching it right now. And I came back and I met with them, and they'd met with a couple of people. Um, You're, any of your nemesis? No, no. Do you have any nemesis out there? Any? You know, around 33, 34 years old, you realize, oh, no, it doesn't matter. There's no competition between me and this woman because we're all going to do different things and it's arbitrary and it doesn't matter. Just like girls. We're all great. Oh, oh, you know what? That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like girls. Cool. Younger. I felt competitive and like, I got to get this. And you, you really don't understand that you don't. It, if that job doesn't work out, something else is coming. You can't beat yourself up. It doesn't matter. Right. So she got it. She's great at it. It doesn't matter. It, you know, Christine Taylor, I think she and I were for some reason up against and then we did a movie together and then I got a pilot that she was auditioning for and the writers told me afterwards they were like, oh, we were not hiring you. We just brought you in as an alternate. She had the part. But CBS picked you instead. And I felt bad, but also I wanted the part. And then Christine's next pilot was Heat, Vision, and Jack, where she met Ben Stiller. And they got married and they had kids. And I think it now all works they're, out. I think now they're back together. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I so there's no like, oh, I need this part right now. And I hate her if she gets it. It's just... That doesn't make any sense. If you hold on to that, I think it's a mistake. I yeah. think it's a recipe for stomach cancer, probably, if you are going to be angry. Do you feel, uh, is there someone you, what, oh, if, well, you, I, what my, if you do I, have someone I, you, you, you feel is your nemesis? I, I don't even know. I don't and even now know. you would think I'm judging I don't judging even know you. what my deal is anymore, so I'm just, I'm just happy to wake up in the morning. That's just my, I, I no. <laughs> that I is no, bleak. Yeah, I, I'd prefer no. you had a nemesis. <laughs> no, I have no nemesis anymore. Not anymore. Do you have a nemesis, Richard? Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say this. So, uh, congratulations on the, ser- the series wrap up of Criminal Minds. Thank 15 you. full seasons on the air? 15 that- seasons, yeah. I, I only did. You took did off for a little bit? 10. Yeah, yeah. I did six seasons. I was gone for four and then did the last four. Fantastic. 
for yeah. congratulations. Thank you so much. Now, before we put an end to this thing, I want to I want to have a couple minutes of bachelor talk. <gasps> okay. As we pull the bus into the garage okay. and park this thing for the rest of the night, Richard, you can uh, you can search the uh, web. Yeah. You can do what you're gonna do. <laughs> But we can talk freely because, oh, yeah. again, Paget and I do our friend Arden Marines. Will you accept this Rose podcast, which we enjoy very much? The finale is coming up. Is it tomorrow night as the, we the, tape this podcast, which will be out this week? The finale is Monday night. Okay. Tuesday night is be uh, uh, after the final Rose. Oh, okay. So we will find out tomorrow night who... If... Peter. If. If and who... Are, are you thinking it's an if Peter picks someone? Is that your theory? Because we can talk freely and we can trash people. Um, <laughs> we don't. We we are not uh, subject to the rules of Arden's podcast. I think I mean, some of what we some of what we talked about was with Arden. Yes, that we know he had sex with the other two women. Yes, but that he really wanted to marry Madison, yes. who was a virgin and saving herself for marriage. And she said to him, "If you do that with those girls, I'm out." That's so, right. He said, I did it with those girls. She said, I'm out. So it could be that he, she is, she seems to me the most well-suited for him. A hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Who do you think he's going to end up with? If he ends up with someone. I still find it so suspicious that Hannah B, who he was crazy about last year. I wanted which her to come back badly. But where has she been? I do not know. I don't think she's been posting and that's what you do. To make your money. So if she's not posting, is it because she can't say she's with him? Does she show up at after the final rose? I think. Oh, I, I think that's something a possibility. Might at, at, that's at what the I'm saying. Final rose is after when you're going to bring Hannah in. I think it's possible in front of a live bring, studio That's when you bring audience? Madison in, or that's when you bring Hannah in. Wow. That something happens. So I think something may happen on Tuesday night. Holy Christ! So he doesn't get engaged on Monday night, but Tuesday night something happens. That, what do you think? I, first of all, I want that to happen because that's drama. So he wants Madison. Madison doesn't want him. Correct. He can't pick Hannah Ann. So that's going to end Monday night. He goes to the studio to do the after the breakdown with Chris Harrison. It's so embarrassing. He's got to say it didn't work and out. And here he comes didn't. Hannah B from the wings in front of all those women. I want you back. There in Burbank and says, I want you back. Possible. Man, oh, man. And they agree to just date or he just gets date. down. Okay, just, just date because date, right. they fucked He's the not- show all up. They <laughs> fucked it up. They fucked up. They're, they've gone against their mission statement. This is no longer about finding wow. two people to fall in love. Wow. It's just drama. You should be the EP of The Bachelor because this I wouldn't is- take on that challenge. It's too. You have to be too good. You have to be too good. You have right, to be but good. That, but what you just laid out is drama. Is great. It's oh, good television. But the, I, I want to tune into that. Are you saying you think these shows are scripted? <laughs> <laughs> like they uh, have, uh, what? Down, down to the last second. I think actually he is going to pick. Uh, I think what's going to happen tomorrow night yes. is that Madison is going to go away. She's going to say, fuck you. I yep. can't handle this. He's going to be left with Victoria and Hannah Ann. And then he's basically going to go, I can't do this. And he's going to beg Madison to come back. He's going to kick Victoria out. He's going to do the rigmarole with Hannah Ann and Madison. What? And at the very end, he's going to pick Madison and she's going to say yes. No. That's, that's no just my way. theory. I'm just There's laying no it out way. there. We'll There's know. No way Madison would, would come back for that, to I, still be pitted against someone. I, I think she's going to. That's just my theory. I think he has to say to those two girls, this isn't going to happen. And then he flies to Madison's hometown. She has oh, left. Oh, okay. She's back in the States. That's, That's better. That, I think. This is, we're producing there's together. There's no way she would be willing to come back after that and then stand there and maybe she gets the rose or maybe Hannah Ann does. I like it. No way. That's, see, that you're producing. That's a better pitch. That's a better can. pitch as we're sitting at the writer's table for The Bachelor. Are you're you right. He has to get on a plane and go. It has to be a grand gesture. Yeah. Now, and, are, and are with you, her parents because the parents are going to be pissed when he sure, shows up. Sure, But he's got to prove himself. That's he's got right. to go fight the dragon. He's got to show up. Right. So my question now. Yes. Do you like the fact that the batch, the next Bachelorette, Claire, is 38? Oh, I love it. Me too. Oh, yeah. I've, I mean, they, I mean, you know. These kids, they're too young. 
I mean, you're going to have the silver fox who's only 55. <laughs> you know, there's going to be. I hope so. <laughs> there's going to be a couple of those. Uh, and and then shit, the young but guys. Also, she's a cougar. She's a cougar. Uh, so oh, am yeah. I. Oh, My husband's 24. younger than I am. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not Fair, judging it. Uh, neither am I. But all I'm going to say is there's going to be a 24-year-old in the f- in the final four. No matter what happens yes. on Claire's season, there's going to be a 24-year-old that she's going to be really in love with and going to be conflicted about. There's going to be a guy that's a little bit out of her range, that she hasn't dated someone who's in his mid-50s yep. before. Nice. And that's weird. And then there's going to be more age-appropriate guys. You are producing. And, 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 a, and a guy with a kid. Oh, well, they're Because his wife kids. died of cancer. <laughs> oh. You know what I mean? We're going to have Ouch. that. So we're going to have that I've been raising my daughter alone. Oh, Jesus. Tears, tears, tears. Oh, I'm 43. God. I love my wife, but she had liver cancer and oh. it just oh, wiped well, out her face. You're getting more yeah. and more you. specific. <laughs> That's Happy how it goes. Paget, I love you. Hi. I am so excited that you came in today. I hope you had fun. I re- I'm still having fun. You you bought some clothes in there the large There was a sale there, there downstairs was... on cashmere pants. You bought ca- <laughs> she bought cashmere pants. $45 for cashmere sweatpants. At the little the little store nice. next to the really yeah. nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, 50 to 75% off. Lunchbot Village, oh. come on down to Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much, Paget. I'm honored and honored and honored and honored Aww. that you came in to do this. And thank you, Richard, of course. You're welcome. Richard! Uh, don't forget to cats and kittens, listen, subscribe, share on social media, tell your friends. Until next time. Oh, oh.